know that you've been here before and we've been discussing some great issues. Today what we want to talk about is foundations for family living and actually as young as Paul and Carolyn look, they've been married 18 years. You cradle robber you. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I told you how old she was when I married her and somebody wanted to do the math, they would figure out that we're no spring chickens. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about, I know that, I think it's Satan's number one ploy is to ruin families because that's what the church is made up of, is the, you know, the church is a family made up of smaller units of families. And so it seems to me that families are very much under attack today. What would you say as practical advice to those who are out there looking to strengthen their family relationships? We try to speak not just from what we've read in a book, but from what we have found to be applicable and working for us practically in our family. Amen. And one thing that we have really found that ties our family together, it's, it's a foundation of uh, a family, we believe, is daily, and I want to underscore that word, daily family worship. Not that we're worshiping the family, but it's a time in the morning before we set off into the busyness of the day to come together as a family, read um, a scripture or two from God's word, um, maybe sing some songs together and certainly pray together, but just a time to come together as a family and share what we're going to be doing in the day. Um, it, it's it's just a, it's kind of like ties a knot and we seek to do that at the end of the day as well. Um, oftentimes in a family, you know, dad's out the door because he's got to be at work by six right. and, you know, mom's had a late night so she hasn't surfaced yet and, you know, we have found that if we all make the effort to be up bright and early, spend some time with the Lord individually and then have family worship, it's been a great blessing to our family and it's something that maybe seems so small, how can that be such a blessing? I encourage our viewers, try it and you'll know what we speak of. Amen. You know, we discussed this on an earlier program about your personal devotional time and how you all handle this. But let's, we're going to look at this again and maybe cover some other aspects because we're looking at the family as a unit. And it really is true, you know, the old axiom that the family who prays together stays together. Um, what are some of the practical things for our viewers who may, I'm going to start with you, Carolyn. You have two children, mm -hmm. seven and a half and nine and a half. What if, I know you've been doing this with your children since they were very small to encourage this habit of daily devotionals. What if someone is out in our audience who has children who are in their teens and they've never had family worship together and they find that their children are being attracted to the things of the world and now they're saying, I, I need to do this. What would you suggest, where would they begin? What I wouldn't suggest is that right after this program, you sit down with your children and say, right, we're having family worship. What I would suggest is that you go to the Lord, you and your spouse, go to the Lord on your knees together and pray about it, first of all. You know that, you know, I know it's the right thing to do, but pray about just how you can present this to the family. Now, before you go further, I want, I'm going to interject something to make your answer even a little more challenging. Let's suppose that one of our viewers is a woman who is married to a non-Christian man and has teenage children. Okay. Now, 
she can't go to her spouse and pray together, so now let's, let's take it from there. She takes it to the Lord okay. because He is her spiritual Father. She can take it to the Lord and ask Him, how should she implement this in her family? And I have a dear friend who is in this situation, and I know that then my encouragement would be that when you, have, you and the Lord, you know where you're going and you know what you want to achieve, then sit down with the rest of your family, whether it's your entire family, whether it's just you and the children because your spouse is not a believer, and just talk about it as a family. What are we going to do? This is what I have found. And what we have found as parents is that the enthusiasm will start here. If we generate the enthusiasm, you'll be amazed at how soon older children and younger children will pick up and go with that enthusiasm, and then you'll be able to ride on their enthusiasm. But you must start it yourself. And so what I would encourage, and what we have found that works in our family, is to make it relevant to the ages that your children are. So if you have teenagers, looking at the story of baby Jesus probably isn't going to cut it for them. Yes. You know, they are looking at what kind of issues are prevalent for a teenager today and go into the Word of God together as a family and look at these things together as a family, drawing practical application for the ages that the family is currently at. And that is something that we have found is a real key and a real blessing. And not only as we do that do we give a blessing to our children, but we can honestly say that every family worship is a blessing to us as well. Amen. An another important point, especially with teenagers, um, and it is, works with little children as well, is to make the, the time of family worship uh, short and spirited. If you're going to start family worship and say the father is involved and he says, okay, family, we're having family worship now, and he reads the half of the book of Job, you know, I can guarantee you, and though it's the inspired word of God, He's not going to meet with much enthusiasm the next day. Make it short and spirited. Singing, that's what we like to do. Singing is as much an act of worship as is prayer. So the singing is something everybody can enter into. And then just a couple of scriptures. And maybe have the young people read or say, well, what do you want to share? Have them involved. And you know, when we first started singing together in family worship, it was just the two of us when we came across the idea of the need for family worship. And it was kind I of embarrassing. <laughs> you know, you're used to singing in church in a group of people, but just two of you or maybe three or four. But, you know, as you get used to it and you become more comfortable with each other doing that, it becomes a real joy. Amen. And a real blessing in the family. The, the blessings are had in the new ground that we venture onto. If we just want to stay on the ground that we're comfortable in, then we're not going to experience any of the blessings outside of that. Well, you know what I like about what you said about keeping it short is that particularly if you're trying to introduce this in a family that you've not made it your practice to do, by keeping it short, you'll keep their interest. And then as they become more interested, they will participate more. And if it goes a little longer, then they will grow into mm -hmm. that rather than trying to force feed them something. But what do you do? Um, many parents that I talk with say that there's this morning battle in their home to get everybody up and out the door. And by the time, you know, I've talked with so many who said, oh, I don't have time for worship because it's just trying to get my children ready for school and get them out the door. How do you, or what would you counsel with a parent that is wanting to do family worship, but they're facing this, you know, everything is so hectic and, and at such a pace in the morning that they're saying, how are we going to do this? The answer, believe it or not, um, 
is in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. The evening and the morning were the first day and the second day and the third day, you know, the creation story. So the evening, the day starts at night. Most people think the day starts in the morning, but unless we've got to bed and got the whole family to bed at a reasonable hour, then we do find that those morning hours, we leave it to the last minute to get up. We just grab a, you know, a cereal or a bit of juice and, you know, the idea of adding, you know, even 10 minutes of family worship in there seems like an impossibility. But one thing Carol and I have learned is that 10 minutes in the morning is very valuable. You think about your, the average morning. Yes. If you think that you have a phone call for 10 minutes in the morning, it's like I've hardly got time for it. But in the evening, 10 minutes is nothing. Yes. You, know, you could easily, you know, so what, what I'm saying is make it a habit to go to bed a little earlier. That takes some self-control. That takes a commitment to the Lord. Lord, I'll be in bed by such and such a time, which leads us on to one of the subjects we wanted to talk about, and that is schedule. So schedule a time for bedtime. Then if you just get up half an hour earlier in the morning, it opens up a chunk of time for family worship, for some personal devotions, and even for a hearty breakfast. <laughs> and so you do this, and then with your family, would you encourage people to actually have their worship before breakfast, before, because if you leave it to the end, you're going to have somebody who's running late and getting ready to go out the mm -hmm. door, right? That's exactly right. We do, in fact, in our family, we encourage it that if you're looking for good physical food for the day, you need your good spiritual food for the day first, because you're going to get through the day without your physical food. Not that we go and starve ourselves, but you're going to go, you're going to get to the end of the day if you never took a bite. But often we don't think about, will we get to the end of the day if we never take a spiritual bite? Yes. And we go through so many days f starving ourselves spiritually. So we encourage that in a very practical way in our family. We have our personal devotions and our family worship, and then we move on to breakfast. That's good. The, um, the reality of that is that we have tried in our family, just through the, the push and stress of life sometimes, I tell you what, let's just have worship after breakfast. And we've tried it about half a dozen times. <laughs> and I think we maybe did it once. It's just it once you've had the meal and you're into the cleanup and dad's got to go, it's, it, just, it just disappears. So do it beforehand. It works much better. The mind is clearer as well. Excellent counsel. And you know, I was thinking as you were speaking, I, I took care of my niece for a short time, about a year and a half. And she was 18, 15 when I first was caring for her. She was not in the habit of eating a meal at the dinner table, and so I found it very difficult to get her to communicate with me. And when I suggested that we would start having all of our meals at the dinner table instead of eating on the run, at first she did not like the idea. And so I just sat at a nice table and sat down, and after the first couple of times of her sitting there, then she was the one who wanted to set the table. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. sometimes, maybe even for a parent, they may have to start just having that worship in the morning and letting their children discuss how wonderful the, you know, the results were mm -hmm. for them then to see that there's a value to this, right? Yeah, it, it's new habit patterns that yes. really we're seeking to generate and the Lord is the only one that can give us that. Absolutely. But like I said before, if we won't step outside of the ground that we're comfortable with, then we'll stay where we are. But the Lord's calling us on to higher ground. So families then who are having this devotional time together in the morning and scheduling this, it, it sounds like this really would bring more unity and peace into the family. 
What are some of the other pillars that you see as holding a family together? I think that we haven't necessarily really covered the idea of the schedule because this schedule isn't just to make sure I get my devotions, but mm -hmm. for a complete day for a family, we have found that it's been such a blessing to our family and particularly for our children to give them the stability and the, and the security that they have is to know that this is when we're going to eat and this is when I'm going to ah. go to bed and this is I know that in my day mommy and daddy are going to take family time with me because we've scheduled it through our day and so that is something that a lot of people stand back in horror I don't want to be scheduled that's too putting me in a box but you know God is a God of order yes and that is his character that is in there and as we seek to, if we don't have a natural desire for it then I would encourage our viewers to ask him to put it there because it wasn't natural for us to want to say okay we're going to go to bed every time this time so that we'll get up every time this time and it's a step of faith to say I'm going to do that but when you step out in faith and do that then you see the beautiful results coming into your family from the stability that it gives. Now we travel all over the place and our schedule is very changeable when we're gone from home. But our children know when we get home, give us a 24 hours to get kind of unpacked and back to normal, we'll be on schedule and it gives them that stability and security in the home. And you know, it's true that even teenagers that I've spoken with, it seems that children want boundaries. They, they like really that mm -hmm. security. It does give them that sense of security. And they like consistency, don't mm -hmm. they? That, that's one thing I really want to encourage parents with because in my experience, again, counseling with people, I've found that sometimes, even I've had young people come to me and say, you know, I told my parents I didn't like it. And I would put on the outside, it was a fight. But really in my heart, I loved what they were doing. And so I want to encourage the parents to, even if you're meeting with a little resistance there, they will thank you for it in the end. This, this is the consistent, scheduled life. The, the real battle is not with the young people. The real battle is with <laughs> dad and mom. <laughs> yes. And if the Lord can work on our hearts and we can bring that into the children's life, just to carry on on that topic of consistency, not just consistency in time, but also consistency in what is expected of the children. You Absolutely. use the word boundaries. You know, what we like as, as adults, as all people, what we like about boundaries is that they don't move. For instance, you know, if you're, I don't know if any of our viewers have had the chance to go to the, the top of the Eiffel Tower there in Paris. I went on one occasion, of course, because we were born and raised in Europe. And it has a, a boundary, a, a guardrail that stops you falling all the way down into the city. And it's nice that that <laughs> thing is rock solid. You know yes. it won't move. And so quite happily, you can move around within it, within safety, and you know you can't go any further. But what happens if we are not consistent in our parenting is that we set boundaries and we say to our young person, you know, you need to be back home by nine and they come in at 9.30 and we don't say anything. And then the next time they come in at, you know, quarter till 10 and we don't say anything. Then they come in at 11 and all of a sudden we say, no, that's not good enough. Well, where is the boundary? Yes. We need to be consistent. And the, the young people and our little children, they just thrive because they know where they stand. And you know, in consistency, Carolyn, 
have you counseled with people who the father says one thing and the mother says another? How, what effect does that have on the children? It's very negative because then the child starts to manipulate the parents and then the child is running the home because the child knows I go ask daddy when I want a certain thing and I won't ask mommy that question and I know because I did it as a child. I knew which parent to go to to ask which question. Now I knew that ultimately my father was, had the ultimate last say but I knew I could go to my mother with certain things or him and it's very negative in the family and so the question that we will ask and what we encourage those that we talk with to ask of your child is, what did daddy say? And our children will still, even though we're training them, they will still, it's within us as humans, I think, to seek to get, you know, the best angle we can for whatever mm -hmm. our situation is. And so they'll go and, and I'll say, so Caleb, but did you ask daddy? Oh yeah, I say then you have your answer. Now that self has to die within you because I might not agree with him. Yes. But it's recognizing that the important thing is to be consistent. And that is a foundational pillar. And when we recognize how important that is, then later I can say to him, you know, why did you, why did you say that? I mean, that wouldn't have been what I would have said. And then in our couple communication together, we can be talking about, okay, so why it was I said what I did? Mm -hmm. But keeping the consistency there for the sake of the children. That's good. That's there's, good. Th there's yet another uh, avenue in consistency that I want to cover, and that is consistency in standards. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. You know, daddy will say, children, take your shoes off. And then he looks down at his feet and he sees he's got his shoes on. You know, maybe on the new carpet or maybe it's muddy boots. And we have sought and we have found this gives the children a great deal of confidence if they know that mom and dad are willing to abide by the same rules, I guess we could call standards. them, the same standards that the children are. So we don't have one standard for them and one standard for us. Now, in some things, obviously, there's a different standard. We don't all go to bed at the same time. You know, mommy and daddy go to bed later, but I think that's understood. But where there's a principle that is binding on all members of the family, daddy or mommy can't be um, exempt from that because what does that do in a child's heart? I tell you what it does, and it's pretty scary when I realized what was happening. If we tell them to do one thing, yet we do not do it ourselves, we're not consistent, we are inadvertently planting the seeds of rebellion Absolutely. in their hearts. And now they don't show up in the early years, but sooner or later, those, you know, they see the inconsistency and then they start to see you know, inconsistencies at church and then they say, well, why can't I be inconsistent? And they, they say, well, I know the word of God's true, but I'm going off into the world. And it's all because of those little inconsistencies in the home. So consistency has to do with time and it has to do with standards. It has to do with boundaries. It's a, it's a broad subject. We would love to explore that a little further, but yeah. uh, time won't for allow. <laughs> well, and I think that it's important for parents to remember as well that children become who they behold. So mm -hmm. if you're not being consistent, if you're suggesting one thing and that your child does not do it and yet you are doing it, the child is going to rebel and they're going to become what they behold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, in an ideal situation, we're talking about some good things here. We're talking about family worship to bring unity, um, having a schedule that is a set schedule, standards that are consistent, being consistent, parents not discussing their disagreements in front of the children, but talking about that, uh, you know, behind closed doors, perhaps. What other things, in an ideal situation, what other things do you think would be good 
to bring more family unity. Well, we, I, I really want to express at this point that we're moving on to the ideal. And if God opens the way, I would encourage families to move out of the cities and move out into a country location. Why? Why? Thank you for your abruptness. <laughs> because, I'll answer him. Go ahead. <laughs> By beholding, we become changed. And if we're living in an environment, if we are Christians and we're seeking to live all for the Lord, to be prepared for his return, and we live right in the middle of a city, we will be changed whether we know it or not, whether we choose to be or not by what we behold, and so will our children. And so for us, we began to seek the Lord earnestly to take us from the negative that we could see around us to a place where we could see him. And that country environment where you are beholding the things of his creation rather than the devices of men as the ideal environment to raise a family, to be as a family. There's nothing new under the sun all the way through the Old Testament. You see God's people out in the hills and all the trouble going on down in the city. Abraham and Lot is just a classic. You know, Abraham was up there, Lot was down there, That's Lot true. had to get out, he didn't want to get out. And sometimes it's if work is there and family are there, it's, it's a difficult thing. I know for my wife and I, we prayed every single day for two and a half years, Lord, take us out from here. And he did. God answers prayer in miraculous ways. Amen. And as we minister, we have seen so many families who have said, it'll never happen for me. And then year after year, as we see these families at family camp meetings, they'll come and say, you didn't hear from us for the last nine months because this is what the Lord did. And we could share for you hours here of different testimonies of people that the Lord has, has heard their voices. They've pled with him to take them out from the city environment. And the Lord has done that. Wonderful. Now, for those who are still stuck, I just take a quick minute here. What would you tell the parents who or the family that are stuck in the city and they can't get out there? How can they incorporate some of those good values there? Start where you are. Amen. Okay. Start where you are. You don't have to be in the country to start implementing family worship. It can happen on the 10th floor, the 20th floor. The, find a city park that's around there and just spend some time with the children, just enjoying. That's one of the things we didn't cover, but uh, part of that schedule will be scheduling some family time with the children. Take them to the park, or if you've got young children, just push them on there. If you've got you know, older youth, then find something that you can do together as a family. Take a bike ride or, you know, whatever's a common interest. We always try to keep it based around nature because that's, you know, that's God's second book in a way. That's where we can behold him, you know, without necessarily having the scriptures open in front of us. But start where you are. God will provide a way. And would you recommend to parents that uh, what their children are watching on television, the music that they're listening to, the number of Game Boys and electronic aids that they have, what would you say according to that? Well, you know, just as I said, by beholding we become changed. And if you cannot change out there for the time being, you most definitely can change in here. And what we started to do in our home was to apply the principle of whatsoever things are pure, true, lovely, honest, and apply those principles to what was in our home. And you'll probably get rid of 50% at least of what's in your home in terms of the things, the entertainments, the things you read, the things you look at, what your children watch, will start to change 
just within your own four walls, and that will start to change what happens whilst the Lord is taking care of out there. But yeah. there's a key here, it's called the replacement principle. Yes. You can't just take the Game Boy away, you can't just take the TV away, because you'll set off a course that you might not be able to stop. You've got to replace it with something, and the Lord's motto is something better. And Amen. the best thing that you can give your children is yourself. Amen. Time with mom, time with dad, you know, time with the family, and then all of a sudden they won't miss those things quite as much as if you, if you leave a vacuum, you're just generating a, a situation that's going to be more difficult to deal with than the TV. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've covered some really lovely things and, and uh, very practical advice today. I'm afraid that we're out of time again, but Carolyn, I want to thank you and uh, Paul, thank you very much, both of you, for the work that you're doing for the Lord. We very much appreciate it and we thank you for coming back. Now, we're going to have you back yet again, so we're not going, we're going to leave our viewers with that tantalizing idea. I hope that you've enjoyed this program and that you've gotten something that you, an idea that you can take before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to do this in our own family. So we look forward to you being back again. 